0: Welcome to another episode of the Thereafter Podcast, your host here, Cortland Coffee, and I am doing the intro for this episode solo today. Uh, it's just me, um, and we're going to I'm going to get right into the the interview pretty quickly. Just wanted to let you guys know we did mention like a bonus episode. We don't know if we're going to put that out. We uh, recorded some more stuff uh, last episode and we're toying around, uh, possibly putting that out as a bonus episode, uh, but we're not uh, sure if it's any good. So we'll we'll listen to it a little bit, but some people might have been confused because we do mention that at the end of uh, last episode with Luke Wilson. Um, that that was the thing that might be coming. But uh, as for this episode, this week on the show, I had the honor and privilege to sit down with Skylar Camp, uh, who is a friend who I met through Instagram. We talked about it a little bit on the interview about how I originally found her. Uh, but her Instagram uh, was a place that she was highlighting some of her writing and some different things that she uh, was thinking about. She is also a ex-Christian person like myself. And so uh, we just get into all kinds of cool things. Uh, She was so fun to interview. She was such a joy to talk with, and we have so much in common. Really excited to uh, share uh, our conversation with you today. Uh, as for this season, we are winding down, so this is going to be our second to last episode of season one of their After Podcast. So make sure that you are uh, subscribed and following on whatever platform so that you can catch our last episode of the season and be made aware as soon as we launch for season two. So without further ado, let's get right in to the episode with Skylar Camp today on the show. All right, another episode of the Thereafter podcast and Cortland Coffee here, (laughs) I guess I should introduce myself, uh, if you didn't know. Uh, I'm here with my guest, Skylar Camp.
1: Hello. Is that correct? Yes.
0: All right. Cool. And uh, yeah, we're just going to chat a little bit. I met Skylar through Instagram. And I I was trying to think the other day how I found your Instagram account. And I think that I found it through a reshare. You had posted something about Jamie Lee Finch, I think.
1: Oh, yeah, probably. And
0: and then she like reshared it to her story. And then I got curious and clicked in. And I always like wonder... Yeah, I always wonder, like, when somebody, like, I'll share something about, like, Hillary McBride, and then she'll share. And I'm like, I wonder who actually, like, clicks in or if that, like, people would find somebody that way. So I think that is how I originally found you. That's really cool. So, uh, and then, you know, just started following your Instagram and your writing. And I felt like we have, you know, quite a bit in common. There was a lot that Mm -hmm. I resonated with, with what you were talking about, you know, your experience with, you know, religious abuse and, uh, you know, purity culture and growing up, you know, I think, you know, evangelical, yeah. is that kind of the yes. subsect that you came out of? So yep. why don't, why don't we get started with you maybe giving our listeners a little background on, you know, what your relationship with faith was or church or or Christianity growing up? Was it something you boor, were born into or something that you found as a child or later in life? Give us a little background on that
1: to sure. start. Um, so my, let's see, my parents started taking me to church when I was three years old. We originally went to a Baptist church, um, and eventually found ourselves in more casual, the non-denominational evangelical type where it's like still got some really harmful theology, but you get coffee in the sanctuary. So it seems fun. Um, and I grew up in, um, private Christian schools as well. So my world was very small. I went to, this tiny private Christian school in a relatively small town, um, and didn't have a whole lot of exposure to anything except conservative Christian evangelicalism, um, politically conservative as well. And so I really didn't get a chance to get out of that until I was, um, into adulthood and, um, started seeing some cracks that just kind of kept cracking until I ended up completely leaving the faith.
0: Yeah. So when you talk about starting church at three, do you, were your parents in church previous to that, or did they grow up Christian or was this something they found later in life?
1: So the way they described it is um, they were both raised, my mom was raised Catholic and my dad was raised Methodist or something. Um, But it was very from from the way they explained it, it was a religion, not a relationship. So it didn't really factor heavily into their daily lives. And then when they became adults, they um, didn't have a whole lot to do with any sort of faith. Um, So they were in their mid 30s, I think, when they decided that there was something missing from their lives, and they felt like they found what they needed in the church.
0: Okay. Yeah. I always think that it's interesting to kind of know, you know, parents backstories, you know, mm-hmm. and my dad, you know, grew up not being uh, from a in a Christian family and found Jesus in I don't know, middle school or high school, and was the first mm-hmm. person in his family, which I think, what made my experience relatively different from friends that I had, who Yeah, because that's interesting my dad had this, like, he's got to save his family and that whole sort of like very missional minded. (laughs) Yes. Yes. As a kid and finding Jesus, you know, for himself. Um, so, you know, you talk about being in the Christian school, you know, you're having Christian, you know, uh, uh, culture, you know, influence your, your home life. And then you have church. What, what was it that what, at what point did you realize you, you talk about the world being small and then you beginning to kind of see that there was other things outside. What were some of those things for you that, that you began to see maybe outside of your small worldview that made those cracks form or, or grow?
1: Um, so a little bit of background on that. Um, Go for it. Give
0: us background. I,
1: <laughs> so I was hardcore into purity culture and did the kind of Josh Harris not dating thing. Um, so I ended up getting married very young. And um, my at the time, my husband and I moved away to go to college together. Um, and then while in college, I also was in the, um, the whole no birth control thing. Um, so I ended up getting pregnant while I was in college and my, my, well, he's my ex now. We'll get to that. Um, but so my ex and I both found ourselves in, we were at a very conservative college, but we found ourselves in very liberal departments, at least comparatively. So, um, he was starting to be exposed to all these new ideas and was starting to like say things that were making me kind of (laughs) nervous. And um, Then I also found myself being exposed to these new ideas and being like, Oh, okay. That kind of makes sense. But the real kicker came when I did find out that I was pregnant and obviously like there's no choice at that point, but to have a baby. Um, So we were very, very pro-life. And so after I had the baby I couldn't work a whole lot, and my ex was working a bunch. But you know, we were in school. There's only so much money that we can get, and so we found ourselves very, very poor, and desperately needed help. Um, so we ended up applying for, you know, um, SNAP like food benefits and things like that. And that was stuff that I had been raised in this conservative environment where you have this Protestant work work ethic. You don't take government handouts, you work for what you have, etc. Um, so needing that help was very humbling for me. And also made me realize, like, wait a second, I just want to feed my family. And that's yeah. all anybody else wants to do either. Like, I literally just want to eat. Why is this bad? Um, so that kind of started, I started exploring more like my political beliefs, which were directly tied to my faith. And so that just all kind of started the unraveling process.
0: Yeah, it's it's amazing, like hearing, like, it's not uncommon, like the story that you're telling is not mm-hmm. one that was not, you know, present, there's something that, you know, get married right away, right out of high school, and, you know, have kids right away, I never was really influenced with the no birth control aspect of evangelicalism, was mm-hmm. that something that like came from the like church environment, or your family environment?
1: No, that was all me. Um, So I... Okay. I have this part of my personality where I tend to be a rebel in weird ways, like just really pointless ways. So like if we're raised to stay virgins until marriage, I'm going to take that further and say like, oh, well, then I'm just not going to date at all because nobody can really give me the answer about what I should and shouldn't be doing. But this is a very firm answer. I cannot date. And then there was the, you know, being pro-life. Okay. Well, then I started, you know, hearing just from, I don't know, various Christian sources that um, birth control actually aborted babies. So at the time, like I was young and kind of easily influenced by pro-life rhetoric and things. And so I took that further and said like, well, then I'm going to learn natural family planning and track my cycles and just avoid getting pregnant. And to my credit, I did that for a couple of years. It did last for a little while, but um, yeah. So that's, I don't know. I just kind of, no one really influenced me to that. Like none of my friends were doing that. My parents were kind of like, what are you doing? But, um, that was how yeah. I just wanted to take it further.
0: <laughs> yeah. You, you, and I can relate a lot to that. Like it's like yeah. half measures were always, you know, there's a, there's a sense of pride that I always had where it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take it more seriously. And and I never understood people who didn't take it really seriously. And yet we're still in it. And I think that that it's interesting to me because that perspective, I think is shared by a lot of people in kind of the post-Christian space.
1: Yes. We, I hear that a lot. It's like, well, you know, you obviously weren't a real Christian. You obviously were faking or didn't take it seriously. It's like, fuck that. I was so fucking serious about it. I took yeah. it way
0: too far. <laughs> yeah, yeah, way more like like taking it seriously is what led me here, and exactly. the fact that you're still in church, friend from middle school, is probably because <laughs> you didn't take it seriously enough, yes. uh, in my opinion. But so I'm hearing you talk about these conflicting, you know, uh, uh, realities where it's like you're told these things like get married. Um, I can't imagine getting married and then going to college, like getting married in college seems hard enough. Uh, but then having a baby trying to be in college, trying to work and, and you're having all of these conflicting values that Mm -hmm. truly don't make sense. As I hear you saying it back to me, I'm like, yes, it doesn't make sense. These, these things do not equal each other. Um, you said something interesting um, that I would love for you to share a little bit more about is like your husband beginning at, you know, at the time your ex-husband now, uh, beginning to have these ideas that he was being exposed to and that giving you a sense of fear, making you worried. Mm -hmm. Um, I can relate to that. Tell me a little bit about that. Maybe a a little bit more in terms of how you were feeling, uh, as you began to kind of have things disorient in, in your mind.
1: Sure. Um, So one of the things that I really loved about my ex-husband was that he was very passionate about things. And um, when before I met him, I had this impression that I was not going to have any sort of career of my own. I was just going to support my husband's career, which now like, (laughs) but at the time that seemed so great, you know, like very, very Christian wife of me. Um, so I was always thinking like, Oh, I'll end up with somebody who's in ministry or something like that's just the normal progression of this. But then I met him and he was planning to go into politics, but in the background, like a campaign manager or something like that. And that was really intriguing to me, um, because that's definitely a demanding job and I could easily see myself getting into that. Like, okay, I can be the supportive wife in that role. Um, but he was very involved with the Republican party and, when we went, we were living in Tennessee when we were in college, which is, you know, conservative heaven. And, um, he, for one of his classes was required to intern on a campaign and he ended up interning with the Democrat. And I was like, what are you doing? This is what what are you doing here? And he's like, I'm not becoming a Democrat. I just need the campaign credit that ended up not, that wasn't true. He definitely became a democrat. And um so I felt very nervous about that because that was supposed to be the trajectory that my life was going towards. And so to have him considering something so big meant that that was how my life was going to go too. Like I was going to have to get on board with this or nothing. There was nothing there were no other options. Um so I was con- I was really worried about where that would Land, like where we would land with that. Um, and there was the aspect of, you know, like, well, I'm supposed to follow my husband's lead with these things. However, what if my husband starts doing things that don't line up with our faith and, um, ended, I was at the time able to adjust my mindset to where, you know, to our more progressive Christianity mindset where it did become more social justice oriented. And I was, um, I could make that work with my faith at the time. So it ended up being okay. Um, And I am glad that we both were able to go on that um, progressive journey together because like now I can't imagine having an ex who's still like a conservative Christian and trying to raise kids with them. You know, that would be a nightmare.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, so again, like there's just like in your story, so much conflict between these different, uh, ideologies, both politically yeah. and religiously,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, that I can, I can so relate to. So tell me a little bit, I guess, like moving from that point, you know, that's not an uncommon story with a lot of people who yeah. listen to this show and people that I've talked with on, on this podcast, moving from this kind of like conservative uh trajectory to a more progressive you know, okay, how do I make my faith fit into some of these pro- progressive ideas that I'm adopting? Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say uh, you know, the point was where that began to not work for you?
1: It was such a process um, I yeah, really these are got, huge questions yeah, so. <laughs> it's like these, these are things that just took years to get through um when, I, I eventually stopped going to church because, um, well, for a lot of reasons, but it was like, I didn't want to stop going to church. It just, uh, that was how circumstances landed. I had a baby. Um, it just was complicated. And I always assumed that I would get back into church again, that I would land in some sort of progressive denomination. Um, but I, the more that I unpacked the relationship between like Christian nationalism and, you know, what I was seeing with the Trump campaign and everything, um, I just became so overly disgusted with the way that church was lapping that up and just betraying everything that I had been told that I was being raised to believe. You know, I was taught to be kind and to be um, generous and loving. And he was the opposite of that. And everyone I knew just fell over, like, in love with him. And it, it made no sense to me. And I couldn't really get over that. Um, so the, and also being raised in like such a chill environment in a church, the thought of a more liturgical environment was not appealing to me at all. Um, I didn't want to sing hymns. I didn't want to do the readings like that. didn't. I didn't care about any of that. So, um, yeah, I just, the more that I Was out of church. And I mean, it's really, it's honestly what they warn you about, like that slippery slope where they say, oh, you skip a week of church and it gets easier and easier. Like they weren't wrong. But it's also so different than I don't feel evil. I don't feel like there's a hole in my heart. I feel like I like my life now and I don't feel bad about it. So I don't know. There was just this progression of, being less concerned about church, being less concerned about making myself fit into these faith boxes and just letting myself land where I did, which was eventually I could identify as I'm not really a Christian. I don't think, but I also still really believe in Jesus and I still believe in God and all this stuff. And then I eventually realized that I didn't, I just didn't. And I couldn't convince myself that I did. And that was heartbreaking. I didn't want to land there. I wanted to keep Jesus. I loved him. And so finding myself with that loss was really hard. And i it's just amazing, I think, how people act like it's this flippant decision. And it wasn't. I grieved that loss. And it was a really painful process.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think so many people will relate and can relate to that because there is a really hurtful... I think there's something really hurtful to when you in interact with maybe former Christians in your life who you know you know there was a tweet not too long ago i don't know if you saw that was like basically everyone who leaves the church it's because they want to sleep with someone the bible says they can't uh, <laughs> and i was like that's yeah, so kind of <laughs> yeah like, like like yeah kind of but then also like that's such a reduction exactly, that like yeah. really reduces it to something that honestly is not reflective of the 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 painful process that it really is a death, right? Like it's like dealing with the death of a family member as you come to terms with that reality. Um, That may be a good segue for us to kind of uh, make a turn into, you know, a lot of the stuff that you are writing about and that you've posted about is, you know, kind of this, has this uh, tone of purity culture Mm -hmm. and the uh, aspect of you know, viewing your self, your body, your sexuality as something that belongs to you and mm-hmm. that you have empowerment and autonomy over. Um, how does that part of your, you know, kind of progression and evolution fit into your story? And And, you know, can you kind of explain the difference of how you view your own, how you viewed your own body and sexuality growing up in purity culture versus how you view that now?
1: Yeah. Um, so I think with like a lot of people who are raised in purity culture, there was just this, um, your body was just wrapped in shame. Um, if you dressed in a way that made someone else lust after you, you were sinning. If you looked at someone else lustfully, you were sinning. If you masturbated, you were sinning. If you, um, everything was a sin, you know, like just normal, <laughs> normal bodily or just in like, even, you know, I would be like, well, how much, how far is too far? Like if you're making out with somebody, can you do, can you French kiss them and just like, don't touch their body? Like, where's the line? And no one it's could like, ever really up. tell me. Yeah. Hands up. But, <laughs> um, so I just, I, it was all about rules and it was all about, making sure that you were pleasing this deity who hadn't actually given any rules. So it was all people's interpretations of it. Um, and it was exhausting and it was a huge part of my identity because if you really care about it, how could it not be? Cause you're just constantly having to monitor yourself. Um, so I went from that very like guilt and shame fueled view of myself and my sexuality. Um, To eventually, like when I was in the process of really leaving my faith behind, feeling very resentful about that, that I had um, been this young single person and I had gotten in a very serious relationship, very young and ended up married with two kids. By the time I was 26, I had my second kid and I felt like I missed it. You know, I never got to explore sexually or just even casual dating or anything that just wasn't an option. And I started to feel kind of resentful about that. And at the time, like I didn't resent my husband or my kids, but, um, I missed, I was, I was bummed that I missed out and that I would never have that. And so at the time my ex was also feeling very similarly to me. And so we had decided at one point to explore non-monogamy and, so I ended up really loving that. Um, it was very empowering for me to discover this. Like I had sex with someone who I was not married to and it was good and not a single thing about myself changed. Like I went in there as as one person and I left as the same person and there was this impurity culture, this idea that sex changes you, that you become irreversibly bonded to this person. And um, I had, like, literally had people tell me that when you had sex with someone, you were married to them. Like, you know, you're married in the eyes of God, and you'll never, if you have, it, it was really fucked up. So that to, have, to be able to have sexual experiences that I enjoyed and I could walk away from not in a Like I wasn't using anybody. It was all consensual, really casual sex or anything, but it was just really mind blowing to find myself the same person. And so I started really liking that autonomy. Like I could control what I did with my body and I could find power in that instead of shame. Um, so yeah, that kind of led to like, like my marriage did end and um, not because of that, a lot of other reasons. Um, but I ended up fully exploring polyamory and finding myself really loving the, that that was very empowering too, because I could design relationships based on my needs and my wants as well as my partner's needs and wants and not feel so boxed in by, religious expectations or societal expectations. Like I get to set that up how I want and in a way that benefits me in my life. And it's been really empowering.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that we in, on this podcast, haven't gotten a ton into that aspect of, you know, purity culture, which is this like compulsory monogamy Mm -hmm. aspect, um, which really ties, you know, we've talked a lot, we've had a lot of queer folks on this podcast and it, it really ties to heteronormativity, I think, um, because compulsory monogamy is really about, you know, at its roots in, in my perspective, it's really about gender roles, um, which really perpetuates this heteronormative idea, um, And so I think it's, I think it's interesting. And I think a lot of people who listen, you know, um, my wife, I'm, I'm married, I got married at 20, uh, and so much of our story is very similar to yours, uh, in just the sense of, you know, you know, sex and sexuality was always not for us. It was for somebody else, right? As a child, it's for God or something. (laughs) you know, yeah. like you're, and then like as you get married and then it's for your spouse and yes. it never gets to belong to you, Yes, which is really disassociating. Yeah. Um, I guess one, one aspect that I think, you know, if I'm listening to this and I'm, you know, exploring this and, and thinking about these things is how does that, how do you, how did you deal with the discomfort and the fear with, with being able to do that. And one interactions with family and friends, I think is a a, a fear that a lot of people have is like, okay, Mm -hmm. I've come to this place. Maybe my partner has come to this place, but how are we going to explain this to to friends or family? Or how are we going to live this out without losing everything? Um, so maybe I, you know, did you have that, you know, struggle or that situation as you began to you know make these things your own?
1: Yeah. Um, my, so when it, when I was still married, it was definitely not something that I was allowed to talk about. I was, I wasn't even allowed to tell like my closest friends because my ex was very controlling and very, um, focused on the image that he and we presented to the world. Um, so when I did eventually leave him, I didn't, tell anyone for a long time that we were even getting a divorce because you know have to keep up images um and then but the the problem was that I very quickly was dating and hadn't even told people that I was getting a divorce yet and I got really tired of hiding that I was so happy with my new partner I mean he's incredible we're still together and um the more that I just, I mean, I was just calling for autonomy at that point in every aspect of my life. And I was so ready to just be honest about who I was and what I, I didn't want to hide the fact that I wasn't a Christian anymore. I didn't want to hide that I was getting a divorce. I didn't want to hide that I was dating and had um, multiple partners. So I just kind of didn't hide it anymore. And I have lost relationships because of that. Um, But the people who have stuck around like my closest friends and the people who really have been supportive, they're there for me and they're great. And they are just, you know, I can tell them, Oh, guess what? I went on a date and they're like, Oh, cool. Like, what was it like? Like they're not, they've, they've gotten over the initial shock of it I think. And it's just kind of like whatever now. And I'm open about it at work and, um, in you know, all my social circles, my family knows, and it's, it has, I don't regret it. There's been loss, but it's been worth it. So. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. There is, there is, and hopefully that's encouraging to other people. And so many people who I've talked to on, you know, thereafter have, have, have talked about that experience of. Freedom that comes mm-hmm. from just claiming I was talking to someone the other day, you know, who was, you know, basically trying to explore their sexuality interested or by curiosity and mm-hmm. interested in possible polyamory. And I was like, just claim those, like just claiming those titles even if you're doing nothing, even if you're still in a, you know, you know, practicing monogamous heterosexual relationship, just saying, like this is part of my identity that I feel. Right is like so freeing
1: yeah yeah and i so i recently came out as bi you know and um was literally immediately attacked by someone that i don't even know on instagram um who was just giving me shit about like well why do you even need to come out you shouldn't have to like i don't tell my parents who i'm fucking why would you even bother telling your family about that like who cares if they don't support you and whatever and i'm just like first of all, that's, I'm not just fucking people. Like if I am in a relationship with somebody, it's not just someone I'm fucking and I'm not going to hide special and important people in my life. Um, no matter what their gender. And also just people who weren't raised to believe, you know, we were raised to believe that if we were, if we were anything other than straight, we were just going, we were going to hell literally, That's the literal truth. There was no, like, I know people that I grew up with who I, I want to, I want to believe this isn't true, but I know it is that they were put through conversion therapy, maybe not like officially, but they were, they prayed the gay away. And, um, that's so that's fucked up. That's how people die. You know, you can't. So when you, when that's your background realizing like, Oh, I'm not. Straight. I'm here at 30 years old finally realizing like oh I wasn't just I didn't just really really like that friend I was I had a crush on her like that's something that's a huge deal and I don't it doesn't matter yeah like right now I mean I'm only in relationships with men at the moment and I have I, it doesn't matter though it's yeah. something that I need to be able to be open about and I need people who can support that part of me, and who aren't going to send me to hell for it? Yeah, um, preach. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, being open about it is just another way of empowering myself and not having to hide parts of myself anymore.
0: Yeah, that's huge. So uh, another another aspect of that, you know, in terms of you know coming to terms with yourself accepting your own identity is you know the relationship that you have i guess with yourself and so mm-hmm. were there aspects for you that you know outside of the external when we talk about the reaction of friends and family yeah. um what was you know what was your experience with your internal self in terms of did you have to like overcome sense of like uh i guess preconditioned guilt and shame um, and I'm not sure if that was your experience, but if so, how did you approach that relationship with yourself and, and creating a new relationship with your own body and your own personhood?
1: Um, honestly, I know a lot of people experience a lot of guilt and shame when they, you know, explore non-monogamy or, um, come out about their sexuality but I really haven't felt that I have just felt I don't know it just makes sense to me it fits and I don't feel bad about it um
0: Hey, <laughs> I'm clapping. Sorry, yeah. no one can see me cuz this podcast never goes to video, so very exciting.
1: Yeah, like I I thought that I would feel more, honestly. And I'm not saying that I've never felt aspects of guilt, but it's more about things like I don't know, unrelated to that. I've definitely struggled with a lot of guilt, especially around like my divorce and things like that, even uh, but about who I love and who I am in relationship with, I don't feel guilty about that. I feel good about it and I'm glad.
0: Mm, so, yeah, that's cool. That's, that's, that's great. I mean, I think yeah. that, that that is, you know, a testament to how much you have actually like embraced yourself, you know, yeah. and experienced the things and gotten the data back. I think that oftentimes for me, if I can relate to, you know, what you're saying about your story, I didn't allow myself to like have the experience or get the data, uh, you know. And yeah. so it's like I had this sense of like pre guilt, you know. It was yeah. like it was like I, I didn't that. even give my oppor- myself an opportunity to feel guilty because <laughs> I already had guilt about even thinking about experiencing yeah. something or stepping outside of of what I was given. Um, what is you know? I, I think a question that that people might be interested is in is like that I'm interested in is, is what is your relationship with, I guess, spirituality or faith or, uh, you know, I, I, there's different brands of people who leave Christianity and, and in general, you know, I think a lot of times, a lot of the people who I'm meeting are like, okay, you know, I've given up on this kind of like very, very limited Jesus, republican white straight conservative version of faith um but i'm interested in exploring tarot or you know witchcraft or uh you know buddhism or you know some other faith practice you know do you have something spiritually that you connect to or do you have an interest in that at all
1: you know i don't um
0: me neither (laughs)
1: nice yeah you're right I it's nice to hear that because I don't and I don't mean this judgmentally at all but yeah it seems like a lot of times people replace one type of faith with some other even if it's more spiritual it's it's something along the same veins just different um and I don't have that and I I'm totally okay with that I don't feel like I'm lacking anything like I'm very happy with the way that I am just it's just a non-issue for me like I don't I don't know I, I always grew up you know hearing like I talk that that like god-sized hole in your heart where everybody needs something and it's like oh that's not there like I'm fine I don't feel the need to pursue any other substitute for my Christianity and I don't feel like there's anything missing out of my life right now so I know that that's important for a lot of people to have some other sort of spiritual connection, but for me, it's not. And I'm okay with that.
0: No, I love that. And I think that's a really important and hopefully comforting to some people because I think that there is people who feel a, a sense of weird guilt, yeah. preconditioned guilt about yeah. <laughs> that. Uh, and it's like, it's okay to just be, you know, human. <laughs> yeah. And that's, um, I
1: think that's partly why I like it so much because I don't need to explore anything that I can't see or anything that I can't touch or I, everything that I am exploring right now is very physical, like not just sexually, but just like making myself happy, physically happy, emotionally happy, mentally happy. Like that's what I'm really focusing on and nothing outside of myself or my life, which is, I it does feel really weird because like You know, you're raised with that missional mindset where, like, you need to be getting out in the world. And I mean, I'm still, I care about other people. I care about causes and world issues and things like that. But at the same time, I'm doing so much work on myself and my own life that I don't really need to focus on anything else other than that, like spirituality or whatever.
0: Yeah. There's, there's so much to, the physical space around us yeah to like and i think that so much of it like was ignored in pursuit yes. of some type of spiritual connection yes <laughs> and like,
1: absolutely
0: i feel like the endless possibilities of being able to explore the actual physical experience we're having in this world yeah i, can, I could probably go my whole life and not even get it all explored yep um So let's talk a little bit about, like, another thing that I really like about your content, your writing, and things that you have put out um, on Instagram that I've followed is uh, you are really good at, like, kind of addressing some aspects of, like, toxic masculinity and, like, (laughs) in general, the fact that men make me hate that I'm a man. Uh, (laughs) So, (laughs) um, if we could talk for a little bit, because I I think in the same vein uh, with the conversation we were having earlier about how like pride or coming out or those things seem to be for some reason, like offensive people get responsive about like, don't shove your pride in my face. You know, it's like, I'm just being me. Fuck you um, first, you know, (laughs) in terms of, you know, when you're addressing, you know, the experiences that you've had with men, I think you probably get some of the same pushback, right? Like not all all men, Yeah, (laughs) you know, yeah. but talk a little bit about about that because I think you have a good perspective on that.
1: (laughs) Just me being angry at men. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: (laughs) You have the floor.
1: Thank you so much. Um, Yeah. I mean, I just, I always had this mindset where men were superior to women. And I would never have said that, but I was like, Oh, I'm not a feminist. You know, like I think that women are just as important as men, but in different ways. And, um, I didn't, I eventually got to a point where I was like, wait, that's, that's bullshit. I don't think that's important. Um, and I've just also, I get, I was, so my marriage now looking back, I didn't realize it at the time, but it was an abusive marriage. Um, And I have talked to so many women, especially who are in relationships with men or married to men. And there are those gender roles that are pushed onto women, even if it's not done on purpose. You know, you just, um, you have the babies and they want to breastfeed. So you get stuck. Like, you know, that was something that happened with me is like, I had very clingy babies who really liked me. And so When I had a newborn, I would have to get up every two hours to nurse a baby. And my husband was like, well, why do I have to get up? Like, you're the one feeding the baby. And I'd be like, well, you could at least, you know, get up and change his diaper while I go to the bathroom. Or you could um, help me out if I need a snack or anything, you know, just like we have a newborn wake up and he would get angry at me and go back to sleep. So I learned very early in my motherhood experience that I couldn't really depend on him to be there for me. And it was easy for him to control me with the kids. I had to quit a job because he couldn't handle staying home with the baby. He would call and yell at me and tell me to get the fuck home because the baby wouldn't stop crying. And like no mother of a a newborn baby is going to stay at work while her husband is screaming at her on the phone because he can't get the baby to stop crying. So just like ways like that. I know that I know that not all men are abusive. I know that not all men take advantage of women. In those ways. But men automatically have this advantage where, you know, we exist in this patriarchal world where they make more money than us. They didn't have to fight for the right to vote semi-recently. They've, you know, just shit like that. Um and I, you know, I was this wife who supported my husband while he got a master's degree and I stayed home with the kids. And then when the marriage ended, I had nothing. I didn't have any money. I didn't have anywhere to go. He had this great job. And I... You
0: were I don't starting know, over.
1: Yeah. I didn't have any base like that. Um, so, I don't know. I just, yeah, I, I don't hate all men because of what one man did to me either. I get very angry at men because they have this privilege that many times they won't even admit that they have it or recognize that they have it. Um, so yeah, I call them out a lot and people get mad at me. And also a lot of some of the things that I post on Instagram are definitely in a you know sexual nature or whatever, um, but also not always. Sometimes it's just me existing in my body, and so if I post a picture that some men might deem sexual, I get these messages, and I you know have men messaging me, um, just inappropriate things, anywhere from dick pics to like I got a voice message on Instagram. I could literally hear a man masturbating, talking and telling me that he wanted to know where I lived and worked. And that was fucking terrifying.
0: Jesus fucking Christ.
1: I'm reporting this stuff to Instagram and I'm getting told that these don't violate any sort of guidelines. And then I got angry about this and I made a post about it and I said that men were trash and that I couldn't fucking stand it. And I, it got taken down by Instagram. And honestly, there were women in the comment section fighting with me. So a lot of this is internalized misogyny too. You know, like we we don't want to talk about the men because we're like, well, we have these wonderful men in our lives who are good to us and okay, great. But they're still benefiting from these patriarchal standards. And they're still, if they're not the ones who are calling If they're really good men then they're going to stand up to these other men, these men who do intimidate us and make us feel unsafe, if they see that their friend is manipulating a girlfriend or something or being emotionally abusive, they can call them out or they can say, you know what? I'm not going to encourage that behavior and I'm not going to spend time with this person anymore. Um, But I think a lot of men are just like, "Mm, that's kind of shitty. And then they brush it under the rug and they're not going to confront people about it. So if you really want to make these changes, if you really want to be a fucking feminist, it's not enough to just say that you support women. You have to go out of your way to do it. If you see misogyny in the workplace, call it out. If you see misogyny amongst your friends, call it out. And that's that's what I want for men. If you want to stop being pieces of shit, then get your act together and keep your fellow men accountable. And that makes people mad.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yes. I'm I'm like on board. Amen. I know it's a religious term, but I don't have (laughs) it. Fuck. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. I, 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 I think it's interesting that you talk about, you know, and, uh, you know, you mentioned women having this internalized misogyny. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think in general, like I have conversations, one, I want to say like, I'm blown away. Like it wasn't until crystal, my wife, um, began to like express more of her own sexuality and, uh, uh, you know, her body autonomy online that I was Mm -hmm. like blown away by, the types of interactions that came back her way, mm-hmm. she would show me. Like, I'm like, who sends a dick pic to a random person? Like, who sends yeah. a dick pic at all? Like, they're kind of gross. Like, <laughs> like, 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 i and I have. I'm attracted to men, but I, I, uh, I don't know. Penises are gross. Anyway, it's, uh, in
1: the in the right context, a penis the, can be the most beautiful sight for a woman in the world. But that's sure. not the quote. Um, but <laughs> or so close to it. But yeah, it's it's horrifying. Like, why? I don't know they can't expect for women to like open this dick pic and be like, fuck. Yeah. That's a great penis. Like meet me. Like I want more of this. No, like it's a power. I honestly think it's a, it's a power move because sexuality is often for, you know, cis heterosexual men. A lot of times, um, sex is about power. And Mm. so when you're sending these pictures, you're exerting aspects of power over this woman because she didn't consent to this. This is not consensual. Um, so it is a form of sexual assault and it is, yeah, that's about power. So, yeah,
0: absolutely. So, so I was going to say like, you know, one of my recent experiences in talking with people about, you know, the cis male experience, which is what I live, um, is that I think that there is a a type of internalized toxic masculinity that Mm -hmm. also perpetuates this, that I don't think that, that men in general, are aware of or willing to look at and that is you know i had a conversation with um, a friend of mine and we were talking about like body image and we were talking about like you know things like body hair for for women and like society's standards for that mm-hmm. and as i've begun to like unpack a lot of my internalized you know toxic masculinity i've realized like so much of my preferences so much of my attractions and and what i would talk about really did do negative um it had negative effects on women um yeah. because i was scared of the way i would be perceived by other men right like yeah. i actually find body hair attractive you know <laughs> like like when i when i became <laughs> aware of like my bi-curiosity, I was like, Oh, that's actually something that's okay. But, but men, I never felt safe saying that because, and it's, it sounds shitty for me, honestly, because it's like, I should have. Um, but like, because men honestly look to other men for their approval about what they can be attracted to or what they can embrace, um, in terms of who they are. Um, and so I think the same thing happens with women in terms of, you know, women are like, well, you shouldn't be calling up men. And I have this great man in my life, but a lot of that comes from this, just this this failure to, to be introspective and like, look at like how you've been conditioned, um, to behave. So anyway, I, I resound with a lot of what you're saying and I'm, I'm really working to do the work and realize that like, even as, as good intentions as I am. I have a part to play and I've had a part to play in, in some of the negative things that have happened, um, and influences that I've had. And so I'm trying to walk that back. So, so I just was kind of curious if there was additional things like, you know, you know, because obviously like I only have limited perspective on, on the content and the writing that I've seen from you. What are other things Mm -hmm. that I guess maybe you're passionate about currently or that you're working on that you're right. I know you're a writer. Um, I don't know how formally you're publishing or, or writing currently, um, but I'm kind of curious about like where's your creative space or, or what are the things that are majorly influencing you currently?
1: Um, so right now, I have sort of given myself a break on trying to get published or anything um, because it's just been a fucking shit show like the with the pandemic I've been working from home when I have my kids and therefore doing three jobs at once instead of um just the one and um I was gonna say just the two jobs that
0: you're probably required to do uh, (laughs) at work because you know
1: yeah so um it's just been too much I've allowed myself to pursue creativity when I can and in a way that makes me happy and not in a pressured way. Um, so I feel like I'm just now finally getting to the point where I can pursue goals and things again and set up goals for myself. Um, I've, I've stayed writing. Like I have just informally written a lot. I have like a lot of it is more like journally. Um, a lot of it is smaller essays that I'm eventually going to work on and get, um, cause you know, we've had a lot of experiences in last year and, um, I have a lot to say and I will eventually say more of it, but I think there's this, I I really hate the, something that's really prevalent in writing culture where it's like, well, if you're not writing every single day, if you're not writing all these words every single day, like that's how you become a writer. And I'm like, no, I'm a writer just because I'm not pursuing traditional publishing right now, or because I'm not like, that's, that's part of who I am. And it always has been. Um, And I don't want to destroy something that I care about by making it, um, not fun anymore. You know, like I think I can be a writer without having to be (sighs) having, I don't want to also like buy into the idea of capitalism where if I'm not making money off of it, then it's not real or it doesn't Mm. count. Like I, yeah. So right now I'm working on things, but I'm not really formally pursuing a whole lot at the moment.
0: Yeah. No, I think that's great. I think that there is like, you talk about writing culture, but I think culture in general is like, what are you producing? You know, Yeah.
1: Like, yeah. What,
0: what content can you create? Because the internet's going to forget about you in 30 seconds. If you don't keep creating content.
1: Yeah, um, And that's something like I've had, you know, my Instagram is, is for my writing, but it's also a very small account. I don't even have a thousand followers. And like, there have been times where I've thought to myself, you know, like I should really try this. I should try to get people, but it's also like, I don't want to do that. I want to write what I write. And if I have people that relate to what I'm writing, I want those people there, but that's not why I'm doing it. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think it's, you know, if that's something that makes you happy, go for it. But for me, like, that's not fun anymore. And I want, my focus has been just on healing and keeping myself and my family mentally and physically safe and that's enough for right now.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, as we kind of get towards the end of like what our typical mark is, um I think, you know, the last thing that I would love to hear is, you know, you talk about this being a really long process and there's no mm-hmm. there's no specific like thing that changed you but like all these little things and these experiences.
1: Yeah.
0: Um however like as a parent, uh I also like I'm trying to figure out like how to best like guide my child to mm-hmm. like you know yeah. not get sucked into these things that I did that caused me so much pain. Um and so like if you could talk back to your like younger self and give like a couple different like kind of like guiding principles or like you know major things that like had you known earlier on may have you know shaped you slightly differently and brought you were to where you were obviously like i'm of the opinion like our shitty things we go through make us who we are and those are great um and we're great because of that but um what would those things be what would you say to the younger person who's maybe like you know 1718, 18, and they're kind of coming out of this purity culture context and feeling forced into where you were?
1: I would say pursue happiness. Um, we weren't allowed to do that. We were supposed to sacrifice and pursue what God wanted for us and we were like i was told you know that happiness essentially was very selfish and that shouldn't have been my focus but i don't i don't think it is i don't think it's selfish i think that life is short and there is a lot of shit that happens and i think everybody deserves a chance to be happy and to not have to force themselves into any sort of prescribed boxes um yeah
0: yeah that's great that's sum it up that's wonderful uh cool skylar thank you uh for being here is there is there anything yeah, else too. that you we didn't get into that you wanted to talk about we have like two more minutes if you wanted to like say fuck <laughs> but, trump or you know, something <laughs> i
1: mean some, i'll always say fuck trump yeah, yeah But It's <laughs>
0: irrelevant <okay. laughs> um, so now i guess it
1: is yeah which hopefully, is nice yeah hopefully, hopefully. stays I've that way seen some 2024 signs but anyway <laughs> um yeah i think i'm good <laughs>
0: Cool. Cool. Thank you so much for being uh, here on the show and I'm excited. Hopefully people will follow your Instagram. Uh, we'll put it in the show notes. It's just, it's Skylar Camp Rights, correct? Yes. Yeah. Awesome. So yeah. hopefully you will follow Skylar on Instagram and uh, as you get into creating, cause I'm sure you're going to be creating stuff and publishing stuff at some point. Hopefully that will be an avenue for people to, to find that. Yeah. Well,
1: thank you so much. This was good. I
0: enjoyed talking with you. Cool. Thank you. All right. And we are back. And by we, I mean, just me, Cortland, uh, in the studio again, without Josh this week, uh, just wanting to, uh, really get this interview out and make the interview the center point of today's episode. want to quickly just say thank you to everyone who has listened to the show so far. Uh, This season, we have been blown away at the support and the amount of downloads we've been getting on the episodes uh, has been honestly humbling. Uh, We didn't have any uh, real concept of uh, who was going to listen. And so for those of you who are listening, thank you so much. And for those of you who are sharing with other people, uh, that's a huge uh, help and support to us. We're always stoked when uh, somebody reaches out to us and says that somebody shared the show with them. Uh, So if you know somebody who might like this episode or another episode of Thereafter Podcast, uh, please uh, send them a link and let them know uh, that we are here every other Tuesday uh, with new interviews with all kinds of interesting folks. Uh, A huge thank you to all of our guests that we've had. Uh, You guys, everyone's just been incredible and been so honored to have so many incredible guests on the show. I also wanted to let you guys know, uh, I uh, did a couple interviews on a couple other podcasts. Uh, So I was interviewed by my friend, Ryan. Uh, over at Some Random Thoughts. And uh, that episode was a lot of fun. Really enjoyed it. And I also had posted about an interview that I did for Dismantle Pod. Joey over at DismantlePod had me on the show and I really enjoyed talking with him as well. So both of those episodes that uh, I was featured in um, or interviews that I did are linked in our link tree. So if you go over to our Instagram thereafter podcast in the link in bio of the link tree and you can get both of those episodes go support those guys podcasts uh, like uh, subscribe follow and uh, listen to their other episodes because they have some pretty incredible guests as well on the other episodes of those podcasts like always I do want to mention if you are listening and you have for some reason not followed or subscribed on your favorite platform that is a huge way to help uh, support us; just helps up our numbers, helps make sure that you get the latest episodes in your feed wherever you listen to podcasts. And then, if you've got a couple minutes and feel like leaving us a review, I know I'm I'm oftentimes the worst at leaving reviews for things that I love, but it really does help creators. Uh, it helps our podcast get seen by more people. The algorithms love it. So, if you've got an extra two minutes. Uh, you can find the link to our Apple podcast listing in our link tree as well. Click there and uh, leave us a quick review and rating on Apple podcasts. We're going to be back next week with our season finale, or I guess in weeks now uh, with our season finale of the show and we're really excited to to wrap up and take a month or two to plan out an incredible season two we've already started planning and uh, i'm really excited about the guests who are going to be able to bring you in season two of thereafter so i hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope you are enjoying your summer Uh, We will catch you next time. Until then, stay safe and enjoy life out there in the thereafter.